Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number two of the Insurgents podcast. You met Jeffrey Harley. Hey, what's up, everybody? Lead pastor of a church in inner city Philadelphia and also known as Denzel. <laughs> Referring to Denzel Washington. So we were talking about what the kingdom of God is not. We haven't even gotten into the gospel of the kingdom. There's so much confusion out there related to what the kingdom of God is from my perspective and, and yours as well. Absolutely. One of the other misconceptions of the kingdom is that it is, in effect, the equivalent of Christians as individuals mm -hmm. trying to infiltrate the various parts of the world system mm. in order to change it and make it conform to Scripture. So the idea is we're supposed to go into all the areas of this world system, which is under Satan, mm -hmm. as Scripture tells us, He's the God of the world. First John 5, 19. Jesus talked about him as the prince of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, Ephesians chapter 2. There are many passages. Yeah. It's yeah. all in insurgents. But we're to go in there, we're told, in different aspects of it, to change it, to fix it. And in effect, to end up having a Christian nation. Yes. And so that's another concept of what the kingdom of God is, is taught by some teachers. And, brother, that teaching has been around for 40 years. And if you look at all of the different aspects of the world system from 40 years ago to today, have the Christians conquered and taken over all those parts? No. <laughs> In fact, it's worse. More it's yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah. And that has never been the yeah. agenda. That's not what salt and light means. Amen. And so this idea that we're going to infiltrate the world system, become part of the world system, mm -hmm. to change the world system, yeah. is not what you find on the radar of Jesus Christ, nor Paul of Tarsus, nor mm. Peter, nor the other apostles. That was not their game. They were doing something completely different. And it gets into this term, alternative civilization. And we have the pattern of that in Israel, ancient yeah, Israel, yeah. because what God did, he did not create Israel to change all the other nations That's right. and to conquer the entire world yeah. and to make it all Israel. Yeah, That was not the agenda. Israel was to be a distinct and holy nation, and it was to show the world what it looked like when God was, God king. was king, completely yeah. different than the pagan nations, and... It was to be the light to the world so that when the pagan nations saw Israel and saw yeah. their way of life and saw their culture, they were influenced by it as a living witness and testimony. And Israel also, their life together spilled over yeah. into the surrounding cultures. Yes, yes. But they weren't trying to change the structures. Yeah. 
and they were commanded by God not to be influenced by the pagan nations, not to be entangled with them. Yes. Remember he said, yeah. don't marry them, don't marry them. And, and don't worship their gods. Yes. And what ended up happening was they Israel did exactly that. They yeah, got yeah, entangled yeah. and they became yeah. pagan mm. themselves. Yeah, We see God's intention for his people, going back to Exodus, was that they would be a kingdom of priests. Amen. And Peter picks that up and he talks to the body of Christ and he says, you now are the royal priesthood. priesthood. You now are the holy nation. You now are, in effect, what Israel was to be to the world. The body of Christ, the ecclesia, is yeah, to be yeah. in this world. Of course, that's unpacked fully in the book, but it's a totally different way of looking at it. Yes, it is. You mentioned how he told Israel not to marry and not to not to worship their gods. And Paul comes along and tells us these things were written yeah. for you. Be not unequally yoked with yes, the unbelief. Unbelie- what fellowship does light have with darkness? Second Timothy two, where he says a soldier, paraphrasing it, is not to be you know concerned about the things of this world mm. or what's around him. Don't be entangled with that. But the soldier is what to please the one. Who is his commander? Mm. You know, don't be entangled. And so Israel does it. Then Paul comes along and says, hey, you guys, don't do the same thing they did. And then we take the gospel of the kingdom message and twist it to do that. To do that very thing, you know. That's amazing. To try to make the world a better place through the systems of the world. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down just like that. You know, I like the Flintstones when I was growing up then. He used to have, uh, near the end of the show, he had uh, this. You guys can YouTube that. <laughs> but anyhow, he had this guy called Mr. Gazoo who was an alien. And when Fred would call on him, he would say, hello, dum-dum. <laughs> I feel like you know, God is so merciful because he could say, he could say, Jeffrey, you know, you're trying to do that. Hello, dum-dum. You know, that's, it's written right there. Don't do those things. And yeah. we're that new nation of priests, a kingdom of priests, you know the priesthood of all believers, and not to be entangled with those things. The thrust of the Gospels, Mm. the book of Acts, an example, and then the whole New Testament, is that there is this thing called the world. Yeah. And when Paul and Jesus and John are using it, for the most part, they're not talking about the people of the world. They're not talking about the lost. Yes. And they're not talking about the earth. Yes. They're talking about a system. Yes. It should be translated the world system. World system. A system of systems of systems within which are other systems. And there is hierarchy in those systems. There is top-down control. There is oppression. There is a pyramid structure of authority. And at the very top is the invisible leader of all. Paul calls him the god of this world. Satan is the one who is controlling the world system. And we know this not only from texts in the epistles, but when Jesus was tempted, it was Satan who said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. In other words, they belong to me. me, They're under my power, right? And Jesus never refuted the fact that he owned them. That's right. He didn't say, well, wait a minute, hold on. How can you give me something you don't have? No. No. He understood that Satan yes. was the god of this world. Yes. He was yes. the prince of this age. Yes. And so what we have 
unfortunately among God's people today is a complete disconnect of what the world system is mm. and how wicked it is and how evil it is and that baptism, the entrance mm. into the body of yeah, Christ, yeah. is a breaking of the loyalty oath oh, that we all have to the world yes, system yes. and to untangle ourselves from it. Now, that doesn't mean we become like the Amish and get away from civilization yeah. <laughs> and basically have nothing yes, to do yeah. with people in yeah. the world, but it does mean living as an alternative civilization, yeah. completely different in culture, in values, yes. in mindset, yes. in loyalty, yes. in allegiance from the people in the world and the world system. Now, I say yes. people in the world, those who don't know Christ. Yes. And so it's like we are living almost tribally. Mm. Right? I'm talking about the body of Christ now. Yeah. Almost tribally in the midst of fallen human civilization and being that light to the nations that Israel was to be during her days, this is what ecclesia is to be. And that's really been lost to us. And instead, what's happened, and we'll get into this in another episode, yeah. is we're trying to pull the same levers that unbelievers are pulling to try to affect change in the world. Yeah. Mainly yeah. Yeah. the political system. Yes. Which is part of the world, the world system. system. Yeah. yeah. You know, a couple things. One is, and in the book, Frank really brings that out, how that... Greek word cosmos is the world, but it has it has those three definitions. One is the people of the world. So God so loved the world, the people of the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Then the earth itself world, and then the world system. Mm -hmm. and, th and that's the one that we're talking about. How the Lord has Frank explained that in the book is, is so eye-opening. I mean, you will look at television and everything else around you so differently mm -hmm. after reading that. And then begin to see where that system, you know, still has me entangled in it. And I didn't even know it, you know. <laughs> you know, I used to always look at Second Corinthians 4 and say, The God of this world system has blinded minds and hearts of those who unbelieve, lest they would see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Didn't realize that I was being veiled in certain areas. I looked oh, at that as being unbelievers. For all of us. And that's so true. And then trying to use... You know, those levers, you know, with that. After this year's Deeper Christian Life Network Conference, one of the practical handles that I love to do is I always like the prayer walk, but then I was incorporating, you know, doing the Yahweh mm -hmm. piece. And we'll talk about that maybe later. But I was walking one day with the Lord, and it was like the Holy Spirit just impressed upon my heart the thought that when Jesus went to the cross, and resurrected in three days. Herod was still king of the Jews. Caesar was still king of Rome. And the Pharisees and Sadducees were still the religious leaders in the mm. temple. So he didn't come to change that status quo. Oh, man. But he was like, you know, he says, son, he says, I minister to those who were victims of that system. Oh, wow. Wow. Not just the victims that benefited from that system. But the victims of that system, mm. and then even those who are in the status quo, like Nicodemus. Mm. Uh, I forgot the brother's name that, uh, I think it was Joseph that gave his, his uh, tomb. These were guys who were benefiting from being in the status quo, but Jesus ministered to them, and they you know, were drawn by the Spirit, but then also those that were victims. He didn't come to change that leadership. They were still in charge. 
yep. when he went to the cross and he rose again from the dead and when he ascended 40 days later. And he said, so don't waste your time and energy on trying to change right. those things too. Let me live through you right. and do the same thing through my body Yes, today. He created and, an alternative civilization yeah. in the midst yes. of fallen human civilization. Yes. And that's what those 12 men were and those 5 to 8 women were. They were that new civilization that he was creating. And here's the thing that we so often miss in the body of Christ, and I keep hearing it, and I break out in hives when I hear it. The thing goes like this. Well, there's the kingdom of God, and there's the church, and they're totally separate. Oh, wow. And if you're defining church to mean Sunday morning service, or that building we call church, isn't Mm -hmm. that a beautiful church, or... All the Christians in the world that are disconnected from each other, if that's how you're defining church, then yes, church and kingdom are separate. But when the New Testament talks about church, it's such a terrible word because it conjures up images in us that are unbiblical. When it uses the word ecclesia, it's talking about a face-to-face community of people who are living a different kind of life together as a civilization with its own culture, and Jesus Christ is their emperor and king and lord, and they are living in the midst midst. of fallen human civilization, and that's what Jesus Christ came to raise up, and guess what? When he ascended into heaven and he came back in the spirit, that group of believers in those cities that were raised up, those communities, they were the kingdom of God on earth. Amen. And that's why Amen. in Revelation, Amen. the writer says, and he made us yeah. a kingdom. A kingdom. We are a holy nation. Holy we nation. are a royal priesthood. priesthood. We yeah. are a kingdom of priests. Mm. And so you cannot separate the ecclesia, that alternative civilization that Jesus Christ established, from the kingdom of God. It's two sides of the same thing. When he was walking on earth in the first century, and he was standing in the midst of the Pharisees, if you wanted to find the kingdom of God, you just look at where Jesus is. Amen. Well, since he's ascended, right? The body of believers who are truly enthroning him and living by his life, that's the kingdom of God. You want to see the kingdom? Well, here it is. It's in this city. It's in this city. It's in this city. Unfortunately, we as God's people, by and large, don't have this revelation. No. And so we understand church just to mean two hours on Sunday morning and one hour on Wednesday night, and that's it. <laughs> so, And what I hear in pastor clusters is another hour of service to the church. <laughs> so it's four hours a week. <laughs> right. You know, Frank, you said something there, those who are truly enthroning him. And one thing in reading Insurgents that I even saw, as I began to get the revelation of the world system and just how insidious it is Mm. and the tentacles of it Mm. and how subtle it is Mm. and how much it had saturated our own lives. And I have a wife and three children. And it made me see even the more myself and my wife and hopefully our fellowship, our need to depend on Christ even the more. Mm, Because if we're that, and we are that light in the midst of this fallen generation, Mm. we need to depend on the Lord even the more and on the Lord in one another even the more. You know, you bring up how in the New Testament, depending on the translation you have, there's 58 to 72, one another's. Well, they make so much more sense to me now. And my Mm. need 
my need for other believers. You know, our Western culture is so individualistic that we have to sever ties, you know, with that. I might get baptized again this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we have to sever ties completely. Amen, somebody. Yeah, I mean, because, uh, I mean, because it really, our need for one another, and that's that's one of the things and that I, uh, I just really am so grateful to be a part of the Deeper Christian Life Network and the Lord placing on your heart because I can go into that and interact with other believers yeah. who are on this journey and get encouragement, admonition, things that bless me from just looking at the content and everyone's responses and just coming to the conference every year. It's such a blessing because I see even more my need. When we start talking about being radicalized for the kingdom, you'll start seeing, you'll do anything, yeah. anything to get with other believers who truly are enthroning. I yeah. use the ING at the end, present participle. You're just wanting that fellowship, oh, that man. connection, because we need it. Amen. And I feel the same way. Amen. I totally feel the same way. And, and I was so blessed with those 12 pastors last three days we really ministered to one another mm. at some deep levels and it was incredible and the lord broke through in, in such a beautiful way and then having you show up and <laughs> us having fellowship it's it's doubling the afterglow wow you know what i mean just to be able to connect with others who are part of the insurgents yes there really yes. is yes there's an insurgence happening, yes. and it's exciting. Yes, it is. You know, one of the reasons why we're putting this podcast out is to get this message out. It's a yeah. tool. Yeah. Those who have joined the insurgents will be listening and can share it with their friends. God is up to something very interesting and powerful. And I believe it's new, Jeffrey. It's yeah. not the same old kingdom message no. that no. you may have heard in your particular tribe of Christianity, which it all differs. Mm -hmm. One of the other misconceptions about the kingdom, which is representative of one particular tribe of Christians, is that it's all about the restoration of signs and wonders mm. and miracles and healing. Mm. And that's what the kingdom is in a nutshell. And so consequently, preaching the kingdom means... You're talking about signs and wonders and miracles and so forth. And I, I am not a cessationist, and neither are you. No. We both believe that the Holy Spirit is still alive and well. Absolutely. He still does miraculous things. Amen. You know, healing still happens, divine healing, healing through the prayer of faith. Miracles still happen. Uh, demons are very real. Amen. And having said that, the emphasis of the kingdom message from Matthew to Revelation, and also fitting in the Old Testament narrative, is not about or focused on signs and wonders and miracles, Amen. right? Now, there's a place for that. And I'll just give you one small example. If you look at the central teaching that Jesus gave on the kingdom, his manifesto, so to speak, mm -hmm. in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Okay, amen. That's known as the Sermon so, on the Mount, yeah. which... Is a term that comes from St. Augustine. If you look at that carefully, it gives you a description, first and foremost, of the king's character. The first thing you're really seeing there is what Jesus Christ is like. That's yes. who he is. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's number one. Secondly, you're getting a glimpse of what a body of believers 
is going to exemplify together as they live by the life of Christ. Yeah. Now, no person, no human being can pull off Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I have not uh, one yet. We are incapable of doing that. It's impossible. Humanly impossible. Amen. And if you're not in touch with that, then you really don't understand what you're reading. <laughs> that's, that's right. Amen. <laughs> but a body of believers who is living by Christ, those features, mm-hmm. right, will be on display. Yes. As we're being transformed into his image together, corporately. Yes, together. And so it's the charter of the kingdom community. It's the charter of the kingdom community. One of the things you notice is that there's not one word about signs, wonders, miracles, except at the very end. That's good. Except at the very end, and it is a chilling statement. And what he says is, many, many will come to me in that day and say, we did signs and wonders and cast out demons and blah, blah, blah. and then I will say to them, "You are never part of my kingdom." Yeah. In other words, I never knew you. I don't know you. Depart from me. Yeah, depart from me. Circle of bone chilling statement. Yeah, yeah. That's the only place you find signs and wonders in that kingdom manifesto. The kingdom of God is not focused on that. Yeah, That's not the yeah. name of the game. And I was part of the movement that pushes mm. that teaching. Uh, that says the kingdom is the equivalent of these things. And brother, you know what I found? That most of the people who were involved in those kinds of Mm -hmm. outward manifestations Mm -hmm. were not living under the king's reign. Frankie V, I got to interject here. I don't know about any of you guys out there, but that's the first time that I heard from the Sermon on the Mount and, and the connection between signs and wonders and how that's only said at the end. That's a revelation to me. You see the benefit of being with other kingdom believers? <laughs> you get revelation, you don't even expect it. You say things that impact me the same exact way. Like, how come I didn't see that? If that happened last yeah. night at dinner, but go ahead. Okay. Brother. So I too, I, you know, the Lord in his sovereignty, he had me when, uh, you know, I was in one of those tribes. Our mantra was, if you're not casting out demons and healing the sick, I think that was based on, the last chapter of Mark, these signs will follow those that believe. So it was like, well, if you're not doing that, then you're not doing the kingdom work, mm-hmm. you know. And so there was always, every time we had a meeting, demons had to be cast out. <laughs> you know, people had to be healed. And if nobody was demon-possessed, then you basically made sure that someone was demon-possessed. Somebody had to, so we could say the benediction and get out of there at some point. And uh, that's another one of those those misconceptions of what the kingdom is, and it's not that. But I love the connection that Frankie V just made, the Lord had him make, with the Sermon on the Mount, because it's not mentioned until the end. And then, as you said, in a bone-chilling passage, and Jesus doesn't refute that they didn't cast out demons. He didn't say, no, you right. didn't do that. He didn't say, no, you didn't do, you didn't cast out demons. He says, I didn't know you. So that makes me wonder when I read that. So does that mean that you could be doing that and still not even be with him? And that's, mm-hmm. again, that gets back to as, as a pastor, as a person who, you know, weekly stands in front of God's people and as a chaplain at a rescue mission so daily in front of God's people and, and others um, 
to share the gospel is like clarity and being on board with what God is doing is so important. So important. Amen. Something just happened in our listening audience. There are a number of people who have the impression now and have concluded that Frank and Jeff do not believe, do not really believe, nor practice praying for the sick, casting out demons, and affecting miracles. And the answer to that is, brother, sister, you're mistaken. That's right. That's not what we're saying. Now, I'm sure we can sit here and tell stories of people we both prayed for whom the Lord has healed. I have stories of demonic possession. I'm sure you do since you prayed every week for... (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) What we're saying is that is not the equivalent of the kingdom of God. That's not the focus of the kingdom of God. That's right. That's not the emphasis, nor the engine of the kingdom of God, nor the gospel of the kingdom. That's what we're saying, and there's a big difference there. My point here that I made a little earlier is that I have known people who have walked with the Lord and had tremendous giftings in those specific areas. Yeah. Okay. And some of them were godly people and some of them really were living kingdom life. Amen. As best they understood it. But I have known many others, high profile leaders Mm -hmm. who operated in those kinds of giftings who were not given to Jesus Christ in their own life did not pay their allegiance to him Mm -hmm. and were sucked into an aspect of the world system where they were not only entangled with the world, Mm. but they were dominated by it. And yet they were doing these outward things. It goes back to what the Lord said. So just get clear. If you're part of one of these movements, I will just say this. You are probably, and I would say very likely, missing the heart of, of what the gospel of the kingdom is. I come from that tribe. I come yeah. from that world. Yeah, know? me too. Me too. And you know, I'm in a Baptist tribe now, but I have olive oil, anointing oil right mm-hmm. there. And, and we pray for people who are sick, going for surgery. And I, I believe that God heals. I, as you said, even personally, we were talking the other night and I was sharing with Frank some of my background. And part of it was, you know, I was in the drugs and alcohol world heavily. I had pancreatitis at 24 years old. Mm. When the Lord saved me, and about 10 years later, I had to get an appointment and you know my medical history, and people prayed for me about that. When the doctor went to go look at my pancreas and looked at numbers, he says, well, you're, you have a perfectly whole pancreas. You don't have any signs of having any pancreatitis <laughs> before. Well, I would attribute that to the Lord Absolutely. and through the prayers of the saints you know, for that. So I believe that. But as Frank just pointed out, the kingdom is not just that, right? just to focus on that. So when I was in that tribe, that's what the focus was. And if you don't get, again, reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, it's a transformative message. It's a transformative gospel, and it starts changing my character, our character, yeah, right, as right. we live together. And so, and I, I've seen that same thing. So I'm glad that you made that plain and pointed that out because I would hate for for someone to just want to discount the gospel of the kingdom because, you know, thinking that we don't believe in healing or demons being cast out, that God can't do that. Amen. God can and he does. He does, yes. The other misconception I think we'll touch on here and we'll probably go into it in more detail is that there is this idea that lurks out there in, in the minds and hearts of many other people 
saying that the kingdom of God is brought into this world by means of social activism. Mm. And that what God wants us to do is lobby for, protest for policies and laws and governmental decisions that will bring the kingdom on earth. And I've noticed, Jeffrey, that a lot of the people who imbibe that idea and hold to that idea have bought into a concept that was very popular in the 19th century, mm-hmm. early 20th century, that labored under the banner of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. I've heard of that. Meaning that because every human is born in the image of God, mm-hmm. that means that God is their father. And so, therefore, there's no real difference between a person who has submitted themselves to Jesus Christ, received him into their life, been baptized into his name, and now have the Spirit of God living in them. There's no difference between that person and the unbeliever who doesn't believe in Jesus. They may be an atheist or an agnostic. They have no relationship to Christ. And so, according to this teaching... Those two people have God as their father. Hmm. And we're all brothers. So we're We're all all one family. Hmm. Even though Johnny over here does not have the spirit of Christ living in him, he's an atheist Mm -hmm. or an agnostic. And you, Jeffrey, you have surrendered your life to Christ. He's living in you. You have the spirit of God. But you're brothers in God's view. Hmm. And that teaching... I believe, is one in which you cannot square with the New Testament at all. Absolutely not. Now, that doesn't mean that, okay, because this person is not my brother, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking, I'm to hate him or mistreat him. That's not. That's not. Yeah, now, some yeah, people yeah. you know, make that yeah. conclusion. And it doesn't mean that because God may be your father, but may not be uh, Jessica's father because she hasn't come to know him, mm-hmm. that you're to mistreat her or something like that. But it does mean that just because a person is born into this world, that God is automatically their father, yeah. right? <laughs> and that they're brothers and sisters with all who actually know God the Father. Yeah, yeah. That's dangerous. We were just talking about a little earlier where Israel was set aside by God, birthed by God, to be a separate nation, to be a light to the other nations. Yeah. 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 And, and and we talked about how that's what God has set us aside as a kingdom of priests. Yeah. We have to be so careful because yeah. some people hearing this may conclude, well, gosh, then you're being very exclusive because you don't want to work with anybody in any capacity unless they're just like you and believe like you do. And that's you're just saying true. that's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. Yeah. There are yeah. lots of organizations. Yes. There are organizations that I give financially to. Mm-hmm. They're not Christian. They have nothing to do with the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. But they're doing good in the world. Yes. Right? And I give to those causes because I believe in doing good in the world, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of noble and good causes, especially if it's something that's dear to me. I will help strengthen groups of people who are helping oppressed people and poor people and people in need. Hurricane victims, for example. But 
I don't look at that and say, okay, oh, that's yeah. kingdom work. That's the Thank kingdom. You. Yes. Because I understand the kingdom to be something that you cannot separate from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you can't just say, because it's good, it's Jesus. Yes. Because there was a lot of stuff that were good going on in the first century that wasn't Jesus Christ, and Jesus wasn't a part of it. Yes. So that this is where it yeah. gets real murky, that the kingdom becomes this nebulous label that's attached to anything that's positive. Right? There you go, right there. It's attached to anything that's positive. Yeah. It's not the kingdom, but like you're saying, we can still be a part of it. For example... You know, I'm a chaplain at a rescue mission with the homeless, right? And so, and you bring this out in the book, and it really blessed me because I wrote in the margin of the book, wow, I've been doing that, and I didn't know that I was doing that. So, for example, we partner with a Voctech training, Mm -hmm. you know, an organization that's nonprofit that trains homeless men in different vocations. Mm -hmm. Well, when they came to make their offer to me to want to, work with us with that since i'm the education chaplain first things that were saying you know we're not christians is that okay i was like no that's fine mm-hmm. it's about the men getting this this yep. tool to be able to you know get a job and, and move on with their lives Absolutely. you don't have to i'll work with you with that that's fine in fact in the back of my mind it was like hey who knows some of the men who've given under to Jesus Christ might be around with them, and who knows what could happen out of that. Absolutely. But it's the benefit. But I don't see that as being the kingdom. Right. Yes, yes. And that's where things get real murky, and that bleeds over into this idea that, well, anybody who is a human being is born in God's image, and therefore that means he's our father and we're all brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, But you can't square that with the New Testament. No. Like, for example... Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born from above. Mm-hmm. Now, what is birth? It's the impartation of life. Amen. And so a person who has been born again or born from above now has God as their father. Amen. He gave them the power to become the sons, sons of, of God, God, John 1.12. Yeah. Yes. He's not talking about everybody. That's right. He's talking about those who believe yes. in yes. Christ. Yes, yes. Those who trust Christ. So if everybody has God as their father, then what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born from above, Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. That's right. And what we read in John 1.12, those who believe in his name became the sons of God, the daughters of God. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense because... Hey, we're all sons and daughters of God. So <laughs> yeah, what is, yeah. what, what what is this about need? believing in yeah, his name? Yeah. And all throughout the New Testament, again and again and again, yes. Paul and Peter and so forth, we have been partakers of the divine nature. He's talking to those who've trusted and given their allegiance to Jesus, Amen. not everybody in the Amen. world. And that's one of the reasons why I felt to unleash the message Amen. of insurgents. Because there is so much confusion. Yeah. And thankfully, when people say, oh, yes, I've been preaching the kingdom message for the last 15 years. And, oh, I've been part of the kingdom message. Oh, they'll even say, I've been part of the insurgents. And they don't even know what I'm talking about because they haven't cracked the book open. And I'm not aware of anybody who uses the term insurgents to refer to a restoration of the kingdom message. As far as I know, don't misunderstand, folks. That doesn't make me anything. I'm just trying to say that people will grab onto any word and then claim it for themselves without understanding what the word means. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of this. I used to use the term going back to 1993, and I picked it up from T. Austin Sparks. 
I used the term organic church or organic expression of the church. Okay. And that appears in my earlier books, Reimagining Church, Pagan Christianity, Finding Organic Church. Those books were put out in 2008 and 2009. And right now we're living in a time where church restoration is coming back. Mm -hmm. And those books now are kind of coming back. But I no longer use the term organic church or organic expression of the church. Do you know why? It's been hijacked. Okay. Bye. To oh, mean okay. 3,004 different things by 3,004 different groups. And so the word is now meaningless. I hear people use the term, or, oh yes, I have an organic church. And they're talking about something completely different. Insurgents is probably going to be the same thing. that If people start getting using yeah, it. Yeah. But you know, that's just the way. There is an insurgence happening. Amen. It is a revolution. Yes. And uh, the word actually comes from the New Testament. Jesus was called an insurgent. Yeah. Because he broke with the status quo in the present order. Mm. He was not part of fallen human civilization. He was building his own civilization yeah. that was distinct in every way. A new man. Third yeah. race. I first heard that 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, do good to all men, Jews, Gentiles, yeah, and, and the household. Yeah, God. Yeah. I read that in one of your books, and I was like, wow, I never saw that before. And you said Christians in the first century commonly referred to themselves as the third race. Yeah, the new man. And I was like, wow, I never saw that before. Yeah, and we're a different tribe, a new nation, and we're reclaiming that. One of the things I love about how this deeper journey is pointing out who we are in Christ. Mm. It made me come up with a term, when you know who you are, you can go far. You know, because <laughs> right. it's like knowing who you are in Christ <laughs> and not preaching a legalistic message oh, or a guilt-driven boy. message. or But just this is who we are. The whole deeper journey piece is just pulling the veil back and, and seeing Christ. And being transformed, Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen, as we behold His glory, behold Him, we're transformed into His image from glory to glory. That's that's what's so beautiful about this this insurgence, this mm. reclaiming the gospel, of the kingdom, beholding Christ, mm. lifting up Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we will end it there. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it.